when we first started The Breakdown, now nearly 200 episodes ago, I always covered three stories in each episode, and today's one of those days where I could probably tell 10 different stories if we had time, but I do have three stories that I want to unpack. First, uh, of course, I'm going to continue talking about the coronavirus, how it's growing, the impact it's having. I want to come at it from a different angle. Uh, Second, I want to give some reflections on the elections yesterday. Six additional states voted. And also, I want to break down a horrible police shooting that took place in Raleigh, North Carolina. And I have a painful audio clip, not of the shooting, but of the aftermath that I want to play for you just to give you an idea of the emotional impact. Plus, we have a new segment on Woman Crush Wednesday. I'm going to play it for you. This is Sean King, and you are listening to The the, the Breakdown. The the, the Breakdown. The, 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 The Breakdown. I know you already know this, but the coronavirus and the fear around it continues to grow, particularly as colleges and universities all over the country are shutting down some just with a few days notice. I have had college students reach out to me all over the country in a panic because their college, their university basically said, we're shutting down in five days for the rest of the semester and you got to move out of your dorm in five days. And people are saying like, hold on, hold on, hold on. Is there something that you know that we don't know? Because on almost all of these college campuses, there have been no known instances of the coronavirus. And as people begin asking questions like, hold on, what exactly caused you to decide to shut the entire university down Uh, Like, for instance, my daughter is applying to film schools. And if you attend a film school or say you're in an art program and now all of a sudden for the rest of the semester, you're doing online only classes. What does that even mean? (laughs) If you are uh, a chemistry major and now you are taking all of your classes online, what about your labs? Like what's what's happening with all, you know, like. Classes that actually have to be in person and were never intended to be taught online all over the all over the the country from the West Coast. UCLA just shut down colleges all over California have shut down. But even right here in New York City, NYU is shutting down for the rest of the semester. But people really began to panic. And I want to unpack it for a moment. People really began to panic. When Harvard said, we're shutting down in five days. Yesterday at 9 a.m. in the morning, they sent an email out to the entire campus, students, staff, all the employees saying, classes are done. Uh, You have to be moved out of your dorm in five days. And it really did. So many students from Harvard, and you may be hearing me say Harvard, and you think like super privileged. Yes, there are many privileged students who attend Harvard. But Harvard recently also started paying all tuition and fees for any student who's accepted, whose family makes under $100,000. And so Harvard has many students now, and I've met them, and they're, they're brilliant, many students who don't come from privileged backgrounds and who are there, and this is where they plan to be. And it's like, hold on, 
I have to I have to move from Cambridge to Los Angeles in five days. How? Where? Like students who don't necessarily even have a place to go home to intended on having the whole semester to do so all of a sudden. I mean, it sent the the campus into a frenzy and many students were like, hold on. Why did you send this out at 9 a.m. in the morning, really also with no plan? And so many staff members said they had no idea. They learned just like all the students learned. And students were like, couldn't you have taken from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. to actually have a plan and then announce the plan and roll it out in a way? They rolled it out like it was a catastrophic emergency. Be gone from here in five days. We're shutting down the campus. And and what it did, and I had to take one of our children to the doctor yesterday, not for the coronavirus, but for a knee injury. And even as I spoke to her pediatrician, she said something. She said, when Harvard made that announcement, it even reverberated in the medical community of people just wondering, like, exactly what is it that they know that we don't know? And as I began to think about it from that angle a huge part of the problem is the reality that we have such an ignorant president. Like, I mean, I say that without any hesitancy, that he has so badly mangled this problem itself, but he's badly mangled so many things, but he's so badly mangled the coronavirus. Last week, he boldly announced that there were only 15 cases and he thought it would be down to zero in, in a matter of days. Just yesterday, we crossed a thousand people that we know have the coronavirus, but many experts are saying they think that number could be 10,000 or 25,000 because fewer than 10,000 people have even been tested. And all over the country, there are no tests. And so it is now a real struggle to determine who even has it because people aren't even being tested properly. And, And when Harvard made that announcement, In light of the fact that there was no stable president of the United States to oversee this crisis, Harvard kind of filled a vacuum, a hole of space because there were no credible voices, no credible leaders on the issue. When Harvard said, yeah, y'all need to evacuate and get out of here in five days. We're shutting down. No more, no more classes in person, wherever you're from, go home. Good luck. See you later. When Harvard said that, it it just caused people to panic because it's like, hold on, the president's a bum, the president's a fool, and if Harvard's thinking this way, what's really wrong? And I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm saying that that's what their announcement effectively did to people. And when Harvard made that announcement, other colleges and universities across the country also started basically saying, not just because Harvard did it, but if Harvard makes this announcement, why aren't we making this announcement? And so now uh, our college-age daughter is on spring break. We are wondering any day now if if her college is also going to announce that students are not supposed to come back, you know, from spring break. So it's, it's a peculiar space that we're in as shelves are empty, we recently just tried to order from anywhere disinfecting wipes. Nobody has nobody in the whole country can't get them from Amazon, can't get them from Costco or anywhere else. They're just sold out. 
most disinfectant products, period, are sold out. And it's like, yeah, our supply chain is messed up. And the basic things that people want to order just to protect themselves, we don't have. So it's a it's a peculiar time. And, and we're going to continue to watch it unfold with the hope that it does not explode in a way that's significantly worse than it already is. But I'm going to be watching closely. Not only that, I'm going to continue to report back on not just the spread of the coronavirus, but the impact, particularly on marginalized communities in the days ahead as as particularly public elementary, middle and high schools determine that they're in a real crisis as parents say, hey, 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 why aren't we canceling if if Harvard's canceling, if NYU is canceling, if UCLA is canceling? Why are we still sending our kids to school? Public schools are now in the peculiar position because those schools are a safe haven. Most public school students have families that can't be home during the day. And and so the kids have to go to school because people work. That's kind of how American life works. For my entire life, kindergarten through 12th grade, when I woke up in the morning, my mother was already gone to work. And when I got home from school, she was still at work. And so that's most people who are working. My mother didn't work nine to five. She worked 7 a.m. to 3.30 p.m. And whatever shift you work, it's like, where are elementary kids supposed to go? Their parents, be it single parents or, or, or couples or whatever, mainly work during the day. So it's tricky. It's, it's obviously a mess. You know, we're grappling with our campuses and colleges and businesses. Google announced yesterday that no employee across the country is to report back to the office. And it's like, hold on, Google's saying stay home? What does Google know? <laughs> right, it's Google. And it wasn't just for their California campuses. Google has offices all over the country, including here in New York, where I used to live in Atlanta. And they said, no, nationwide, just work from home. And it's like, oh, again, what are they understanding? What are they knowing? And it just causes a fear. Listen, I have two more stories that I want to share with you, but we have a very special segment that we're going to be doing. It's it's a Women's Month, and we want to not only tell the stories of women, but on every Wednesday, we're going to do a Woman Crush Wednesday post on Instagram. You can check it out now at North Star Media. And we have Maria from the North Star who's going to tell you a little bit about what we're talking about today. Woman Crush Wednesday. Hey everyone, my name is Maria Perez and I'm the associate editor of the North Star. In recognition of Women's History Month, the North Star is excited to highlight women of color who are making an impact on history and the rest of the world. For our first pick, we've chosen the five black women who dominated the pageant world last year and became the first black women to hold crowns in all major beauty competitions. Before winning their titles, each of these women made an impact on the world and advocated for others. Chesley Christ, Miss USA, is a lawyer who works with incarcerated people. Zozabini Tunzi, who was crowned Miss Universe in December, is an activist trying to combat gender-based violence. You can read more about all five of these incredible women on our Instagram account at the North Star Media. Yesterday, six states across the country voted from um, Mississippi and Missouri to um, Michigan and North Dakota and Washington and others 
And Joe Biden continued to do well in most of those states. He had big victories in Mississippi and Missouri. He had a more narrow victory in Michigan, which was a huge state that Bernie and his entire campaign worked super hard in. Bernie was able to pull out a victory in North Dakota, which had a caucus. And Bernie tends to always win caucus states in part because caucus states favor those who are passionate super fans. And there aren't a ton of passionate super fans for Joe Biden. People are voting for Joe Biden, but it's like people are not crazy about Joe Biden the way they are for Bernie. And so Bernie tends to almost always win caucuses, sometimes by big margins. He was able to pull out a victory in North Dakota. And Washington State is also an important state for Bernie. And it is still too close to call there. They are they have a huge number of mail-in ballots in Washington State. You don't have to have an absentee ballot to mail in your vote. Anybody, everybody can mail in their ballots. And so uh, they're still counting there. He is up by a super, Bernie is up by a super slim margin. But there are a few things that I just want to highlight. I already see a lot of people saying, hey, uh, this race is over. 25 states have not voted yet, including New York, which doesn't vote for another seven weeks. And so this idea (laughs) that the race is over, no, it's not over. It, It absolutely is not over. There's a debate on Sunday, and until that debate happens, uh, nobody should quit. Nobody should stop. Uh, Biden's lead is not insurmountable. But what I know is they definitely want Bernie to to bow out or for the race to be over before this debate on Sunday and before any other debates are scheduled, because typically Biden performs horribly in these debate uh, uh, performances. And so, you know, my my thing is this. As Biden continues to do well across the country, let's see a head-to-head debate. Let's continue to allow other states to vote. And, and I'll close with this quick thought. It's particularly disturbing for people to call for this race to end for a reason that actually has nothing to do with Bernie or Biden. If you call this race off, it will depress the vote in 25 different states who have not yet had their primaries. And people all over the country are running for very important seats and positions in those states. And it will do serious harm. Like I saw people all over Wisconsin yesterday, including people who didn't even support Bernie Sanders saying, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Don't call this. Don't call this thing over. We haven't voted yet. And we have several state Supreme Court races and other things that are going to be on the ballot. And like we need people to show up in a major way. And so, um, No, don't call it. It's not over. You have to have 1,991 delegates, and nobody's even gotten to 900 yet. Nobody's even to the 50% mark yet. So we still have a long way to go. I know how the news media does, particularly the media tends to favor Joe Biden anyway, but these states continue uh, in, in the weeks ahead, and some states don't vote for eight more weeks. And so, no, it's not over. Anybody saying it's over is wrong, and they they want a premature end to this in a way that's going to harm the elections and campaigns that are happening in those 25 states. Listen, before we go, 
there was a horrible shooting that I am still studying and trying to understand, a horrible police shooting that happened yesterday in Raleigh, North Carolina. And people are saying that a 16-year-old boy was shot and killed, shot in the back and killed. As far as I can tell, there is no video footage. I don't know if there's body camera footage yet, but I have not seen a video of the actual shooting, only hearing from people who heard about it or saw it. I want to play a clip, though, of the immediate aftermath of the shooting. And I have not heard anything like this since the shooting six years ago of the teenage boy, Michael Brown. And I remember on the day that Michael Brown was shot and killed, someone sent me a link to a live stream video there and people were just devastated. And I want to play you a clip. These are teenage boys who are screaming and crying uncontrollably as they process what happened. Just listen. Y'all, calm down, babies. Calm down. Come here. Come here. Come here, y'all. Y'all, calm down, babies. Calm down. Calm down. Y'all, calm down, okay? Please, calm down. Calm down. Come on, please. Come on, baby. Calm down. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on. Sit. I got him. Come on, baby. Get in the car. Come on, babies. I'm coming. Calm down, y'all. Calm down. Calm down. Calm down. Calm down. Come on. Oh my God. Come here, baby. Come on, baby. Come on. Oh God, he throwing up, Lord Jesus. Calm down, baby. Y'all calm down, okay? Look, y'all gotta calm down. Oh Jesus. Oh my God. Come here. When I first saw and heard that clip from Raleigh, North Carolina, I was devastated because what I understood is that those young people, those were young boys, 15, 16 years old, as they came to grips with the reality that their friend, their their relative, their neighbor had just been brutally shot and killed. These young men were devastated, utterly devastated. One young boy was crying so much and that he began throwing up. And I just needed you to hear that and understand the true impact of police brutality. This is what it does to our communities. This is what it does to our people. And, um, you know, we hardly talk in this country about police brutality anymore as if it's no longer a problem. It's a big effing problem all over the country. Listen, I've got to run. I'm going to be trying to follow up today the best I can to learn more about this shooting in Raleigh so that I can report back tomorrow what we can do and perhaps even give us some action steps course i'll continue to have more information and updates on the coronavirus and what we can do about it love and appreciate each of you take care everybody break it down